I'm Wendy Michelle, personal trainer and nutritionist turned researcher, innovator, and precision wellness specialist. Welcome to Whole, Healthy, and Free. This podcast is all about equipping you with cutting-edge tools and information for accomplishing your health goals and becoming your best version of you. I have collectively spent over 20 years behind the scenes in clinical healthcare, in food and supplement manufacturing, in alternative medicine, and fitness marketing. What I've seen behind closed doors and experienced in real life has provided me with an education no formal textbook would dare to write about. From it all, I learned that health is much easier than it has been presented to be. People are capable of way more than they realize. And the majority of what masquerades as healthy is commonly what actually contributes to illness. I break it all down and bring it all to light for the sole purpose of giving you your power back so you can reclaim your health to live whole, healthy, and free. Hey friends, I am so happy that you're back for another episode and today is going to be, it's going to be amazing. I have an incredible guest with me and I have a feeling that this is going to be an episode to bookmark and come back to several times at least. We're going to be talking about the power of your breath and the nourishment of your breath. Well, breath work is what I would call it. it it's been a, a way to realign since the beginning since the beginning of time. But as our lives have busied and other external remedies have been introduced, this innate ability has, or at least I should say in my life, had been forgotten or was simply reduced to the very basic function. I didn't realize I was leaving such a transformational tool on the table. And as the typical story goes, I went to a breathwork class to better understand why why anyone needed to be taught how to breathe. <laughs> and oh, oh my, was I schooled. Not so much by the teacher, not so much by the class overall, but by my body as it responded to the breath patterns that we were using. And I still have so much to learn about this, but it has been one of those things. It's been such a gift in my life that I've actually surrendered even my understanding to the mystery which is saying a lot because y'all know how I hunger for knowledge and like to dig for those microscopic details. But anyway, as I pondered this particular topic, I realized to share information about breathwork with others, my knowledge falls drastically short. And really, there is only one person I know of who shares this information with such love and expertise. It would actually be a crime to not have him lead us on this journey it is such an honor for me to have him in my life and with me today so that he can share with you directly what breathwork is and how it is potentially your untapped resource for more energy and nourishment and strength. This man holds a special place in my heart. He carries around peace and joy like most people carry around their phones. It's always present. And he introduced me to breathwork couple years back and then entertained my endless questions about what the heck had just happened. Uh, a little more details about him and then we will get right into it. So my guest today is Scott Schwenk and his teaching is described as a blend of stillness, unexpected expansion, laughter, discovery, and actionable insights revealing dynamic inner freedom. For 25 years, Scott has been catalyzing the inner evolution of others, helping them to grow. In the private sector, 
the bulk of Scott's work is coaching worldwide clients in waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. Thank you so much, Scott, for being here today. This is so much fun. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to be here with you and grateful for the invitation. I wouldn't have any other way, especially for this topic. Um, Would you start by sharing a little bit about what inspires you to do what you do? Yeah, 100%. So I get asked a question often like, how did you start? When did you start? And honestly, I can't tell you when I actually began because as a little boy, I could pick up on things like many of you who are listening that nobody could explain to me. Like, I didn't understand what was going on, but I could actually hear people's thoughts more and more often than I realized. I could feel their emotions and body sensations in my own body, especially when they were in distress from the single digits in my life. So you can imagine, without any context or anyone to explain it, that sent this curious little boy on a journey to find out what is going on, what am I, and how does all this work? And first of all, am I even okay? (laughs) So bit by bit, I had parents who were willing in fits and starts to feed my curiosity and connect me with books and connect me with different uh, opportunities to grow. When I was a little boy, it started with the YMCA who had a very robust leadership development program called the Leaders Corps. And so from a very young age, I was training to be a leader, to understand values clarification, to do really complex exercises with other groups of kids my age, like there's one kidney available for somebody who needs it replaced. Here are eight candidates. Your group has to choose who gets the kidney. Mm. So from there, it moved into having mentors and teachers, meditating, teaching myself how to meditate, learning about past life regression. I actually experimented with taking kids in high school through past life regression, and it sure enough seemed... I don't know what it was, if it was a past life or not, but they went right into times and places they had no memory or understanding of with direct experiences and talking about the clothes they were wearing and how they felt in their bodies, some of them in different gendered bodies. All through uh, college, I sat every week at a New Age bookstore in a meditation class, although my meditation practice was really haphazard. If I had an experience, it was a gift, but I didn't know how I got there. I learned Reiki in college, one and two. I learned how to begin to coach people, always taking on more and more leadership positions. And shortly after I graduated from college, I had heard about this monastery, an ashram, an Indian ashram that was near where I was living. And I was compelled there. I didn't understand why, but I was viscerally drawn to go there. And when I went there, I took a program called a meditation intensive that promises to awaken your meditative energy. And oh boy, did it. I struggled, first of all, the first full day. It was a two-day event. I sat down on the floor because that's what I thought you're supposed to do, sit cross-legged with no cushion under my butt. And by the second hour, my knees were screaming, my back was screaming, and I hadn't yet had any experiences. So I went to one of the teaching monks and he said, listen, Scott, There's no more or less enlightenment on the chair than there is on a floor, so take a chair. (laughs) It took a few more hours for me to be in pain before my ego relented to sitting in a chair because I thought that was like giving up. Once I sat in a chair, by day two in the morning, just before lunch, the lights came on inside of me and they never went back off. Mm. 
ever after that day, after, after, ever after that meditation, when I close my eyes to meditate, and now I don't have to close my eyes, there's a living dynamic field that I'm aware of. It's not necessarily visual. It's living and it's dynamic and it's palpable. And over years of practice, I began to recognize that this is actually what was being referred to as the self with a capital S, this field of awareness that is somehow empty and luminous at the same time, full of all the intuition, all possibilities of information and healing, and it's able to be aware of itself through me and anybody else. It wasn't until a bunch of years later that I met a mentor by the name of David who showed me a three-part breathing technique that I then shared with Wendy mm. that really blew my doors off once again like that first meditation intensive. I swear it was like somebody had plugged me into the wall and 220 current was surging through my body mm -hmm. and then some. <laughs> I laughed, I cried, I sweated, I vibrated, I tingled, I had insights, I released what seemed like one would release in 10 great therapy sessions all in one breathwork session. And I sat up and I said, I have to know how to do this. This is the thing I've been looking for to stitch together all my other skill sets. So I apprenticed myself to this person for eight years very, very deeply, carrying his bag, setting up his sales table for his products, really getting into the nitty gritty of facilitating psychoactive work through the breath and was taking on clients and along the way I had another great mentor who I met in the ashram that I told you about. Her name was Sally Kempton. She's like a second mother to me and one of the most profound meditation teachers I've ever encountered and the most hidden in plain sight and humble. And she's helped me put together how to understand these gifts that I've had for so long, like the ability to transmit states of consciousness to other people, even from a distance and bring them down with humility, bring them down with clarity, and do the daily work of sitting and meeting myself, small self, big self, over and over and over again, to learn alchemy, mm -hmm. internal alchemy, the ability to find pockets of tension, whether it's physical or emotional or mental, and see it as fuel rather than a problem, and use the breath to enter these pockets of fuel and liberate them in meditative states of consciousness. Now that might all sound really clunky and cumbersome if you're new to meditation or breath work. The simple deal is this, how you're breathing is how you're living, mm -hmm. full stop. And if you don't like how you're feeling, change the rhythm and depth of your breath. So are you up for a little exercise, Wendy? Sure, <laughs> I'm, okay, good. I'm always up for a little exercise. Okay, so all of us, and if you're driving, Maybe pull over or save the exercise for when you can re-listen. So ideally, guys, unless you're seated on the floor on a cushion with your hips a little higher than your knees, P.S., same thing in a chair. You always want your hips higher than your knees so you don't go through the pain I went through learning to meditate. It'll preserve the curve in your, your low back. If you're in a chair, put both feet flat on the floor. And just notice the feeling without having to describe it to yourself of the breath itself. And there's three main places you can notice this feeling. At the tip of your nose, it'll feel like soft like a feather. The texture as it moves across the back of your throat, and it'll feel cool on the way in and warm on the way out. Feel that. And then see if you can feel the expansion and release of the rib cage like an accordion as the breath fills the lungs 
and then they empty. Tip of the nose, back of the throat, and the ribcage. See if you can notice all three without a commentary. Just notice, feel them. No story, just feel. Wow, breath is coming in and going out. And see if you can playfully cultivate this feeling. Life itself is breathing my body. I just relax. And the more I relax, the more fully life breathes my body. I don't have to effort. I just need to be present. Good. You'll notice you feel a little bit more soft, a little more relaxed. And we're going to increase that through what I call the six points of softening. If you soften these six physical places in the body, you will find yourself entering a relaxed state. And with more practice, going into meditation and deeper in meditation. So they work really well as pairs. So like you're opening a fist with your imagination, deeply soften the soles of your feet right now. You feeling it, Wendy? Yeah. Now continue with the soles of your feet, everybody, and do the same thing with the palms of your hands. No special hand position needed. Just keep softening the soles and palms like you're opening fists with your imagination. Excellent. Keep the breath coming in deeply and going out slowly. Soften the next pair, which is the four corners of your eyes, the inside as well as the outside corners of your eyes, along with the entire region inside and around your ears. And you may start to feel a little release across your forehead with the softening of the four corners of the eyes. And you may feel a little release of jaw tension from softening the region inside and around your ears. Yeah, good. Last pair. Let your tongue come deeply to rest in the floor of your mouth. Soften it from end to end. While you also soften all those little muscles running throughout the pelvic floor, perineum, sphincter, groin region, letting go. Just letting go. And make it up that letting go is easy. Let the breath come in a little deeper and have the feeling that your awareness has expanded just a bit wider than your whole physical body. And playfully now soften all six points at the same time, soles of the feet, palms of the hands, corners of the eyes, region of the ears, tongue, and pelvic floor groin region. As the breath comes in deeply and goes out sweetly. Now here's where the you thought that was the exercise. Here's where the <laughs> exercise comes in. Scan your body for any pocket of tension you could notice. Without a story, without a need to judge or be concerned, just notice it. Where is it? Is it in the belly? Is it in your jaw? Is it in the center of your chest? I call this breath the alchemical breath, and it's very simple. Keep softening the six points and simply Imagine you can breathe into the center of that pocket of tension without trying to make anything happen. Just breathe into the center of that tension and gently as you exhale, have the feeling of just letting go. And then inhale into this pocket of energy, we'll call it now. Let go in the exhale. How are you feeling, Wendy? 
I feel amazing. What are you noticing as you do this? I think that the, the biggest word that resonates with me when we are going through those different points is just the, the awareness where the awareness is expanded. So I, I have a better sense of things and a, and a different perspective, I guess, would be the best mm-hmm. way to explain it. Okay. Now, keep playing with this, everybody. You can play with it while we're doing the entire interview. And you just might feel like a different person at the end of the interview. And the best part is you're doing it for yourself. There are all these flavors of energy everywhere. There are all these flavors of energy everywhere. When you and I choose an energy that we'll call more coherent, it's more refined. It's uh, Some people might say a higher vibration. I don't usually like to use higher and lower but a more refined vibration, more organized energy. When we touch that consistently, which is what the opportunity of breathwork is and the opportunity of meditation is to practice that, we're plugged in to those refined energies as fuel, as help, whether it's creative inspiration in your job, whether it's how to parent your child in a challenging moment, whether it's how to make a decision about your health and well-being that seems complicated in a world full of noise. The more grounded I am, soft, present, and plugged into a more coherent energy, I'm naturally going to access easier intuition and flow. I love that. Thank you so much for, for helping people get into that state, into that space as we go into some of these more deeper conversations. I really appreciate it. And I think it's going to really help them as well. Plus, I, there's nothing like experiencing it as an explanation more so than even words, I think. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. I, I would really love it if you would share a little bit about, because as I was reading through your biography and just some of the information on your website, uh, the part that really stuck out to me was the waking up, growing up, cleaning up and showing up. And, and of those four specifically, the waking up and the showing up were two that I felt like will be something that if we expand on those and, and I'm just going to let you kind of run with it um, as far as, you know, what those components are, how they're defined by you and how those might apply to some of our listeners in their, in their lives today. What are some things that pe- what, you know, what waking up would be necessary for and what does showing up mean? And, and are people just not showing up in what ways are they not showing up? Things like that. If you can expand a little bit on that, I'd love to, to dig in there if we could. I'm happy to. So first of all, we're always showing up, but where are we showing up from is the question. Are we showing up from unmet expectations and a feeling that there's not enough in the world, a feeling of lack? Are we showing up from a feeling of fullness? You know, simply put, are we being a fountain or a drain? Mm. Are we showing up as a fountain or as a drain? Are we showing up as I am love or I want love? The results will follow as surely as the sun rises in the morning. If I'm showing up as I want love, it'll seem like there's not enough. If I show up as I am love, which be gentle on yourselves, everybody, it takes training. It's taken me years to recognize 
the difference between thinking the thought I am love and actually learning how to run love through my own body ever more consistently. So showing up is really something we get to a little bit later in the work. What we start with is the waking up and the growing up. Mm -hmm. And typically growing up was something that was held in the psychological worldviews, emotional intelligence, relationship intelligence, healing uh, core traumas, developmental traumas, things like this are in the growing up world. And as we grow up, we move through stages of perspective. And as we go, go and grow through later stages of perspective, we can actually perceive more of reality that's already and always here. So, for example, what do I mean? Well, love. Love's already and always here as a, as a fixed vibration. There's nowhere that love and grace are not. But am I aware of it? Am I able to have a perspective that can pick up on it? Well, as I grow up into later stages of development, I've, I've, I'm healing more of my past stuff that was coloring my point of view. Love is natural, naturally obvious. Mm-hmm. Waking up is more the world of the Eastern traditions We could call that the work of so-called enlightenment or awakening. And that's a primary important key insight about the true nature of reality. And an insight's not, in this case, something we think about. It's something we whole bodily experience. There is one conscious awareness looking out through all of our eyes at the same time, forgetting itself into believing we are these separate individual people with a particular history. The truth is, it's like a prism. The sun, there's one sun, at least in our solar system, and it gets refracted through a prism into multiple seeming colors. But at no time are any of those individual colors separate from the sun. It just appears that they're separate from the sun. So waking up is having the fundamental awareness, the experience, through the body and awareness, I am this eternal something that can and does become everything temporarily without losing any of its original power. Whether you call that the Holy Spirit, Kun, Ruach, Kundalini, there's so many names for it, or whether you have no name for it, it can be recognized. And this is what skillful meditation practice combined with really good inquiry, inquiring into the nature of our existence and releasing the stranglehold of ordinary thinking, otherwise known as our narrative self, you know? Mm. This fundamental insight blossoms in us, the way a rosebud blossoms into a fully open flower. It's a natural expression for a human being when all goes well to awaken. It's not something just for the privileged few. The reason it seems like it is for the privileged few is It takes a lot of focus and will over time to release the false beliefs, to alchemize the tension patterns that cover up this fundamental insight, and then not to just have the insight one time in a peak experience like in an ayahuasca ceremony or a breathwork experience, but to actually stabilize it as an insight we live from in our ordinary moments and our most difficult, challenging moments. Hmm. I love that. Um, and you touched on it just briefly as you were running through that, but I wanted to go, to go back. Um, you mentioned um, 
uh, what you feel in, you know, after an ayahuasca ceremony or a breathwork session. And specifically, I'd love you to explain and expand on the ecstatic breathwork practice that I experienced when I first went to that class. What Will you explain what that is and and what that's doing biochemically and how that's helping people and why I know I experienced it where I'm laying there doing the the breath the breathing patterns and I'm I had to like reach up and touch my face because I'm I thought I think I'm crying <laughs> I think there's <laughs> I think there's which, te- which I think there's some tears up here uh, so what's happening what what's happening and why is that happening with breath physiologically what's happening and we have more research now and if you want a deep dive you can look into one of two books there's a popular book that came out a year or two ago by James Nestor called breath and talks about the co2 and oxygen balance in the body so Mm -hmm. active open mouth breath which the ecstatic breath work is it's a rhythmic breath through the mouth two breaths in one breath out First half of the breath comes into the low belly, second half into the upper chest, and then a full exhale, done laying down typically, set to evocative music. So it actually is increasing the CO2 in the body, Mm -hmm. which moves us towards what's called a psychedelic experience, a visionary experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another way to put that is expanding awareness beyond the ordinary mind so that more is perceivable, more of reality is perceivable, the things we don't normally pick up on. Energetically, what's happening is the breath is like truth serum. Mm. So it's going to expand awareness. It's going to help release tension throughout the body pretty quickly if we're not fighting it. That's one of the most common things people say at the end of the session. I ask, how you, how's your body feeling? So relaxed, more relaxed than I've ever felt. Well, why? Because we're meeting the tension in the breathwork process if we're not fighting it. It's surfacing. That's why I call it truth serum. It's surfacing hidden tensions. Mm -hmm. And some of those tensions are emotional tensions. Yes, they have a place in the body they've been stored, but we might feel them more as the need to cry, the need to laugh, the need to shake, or move in certain ways. It's an unwinding of the torque and tension throughout the nervous system and spinal cord and the subtle body. There's so much that could be said about it. The other book you could look into is Stanislav Grof's book, Holotropic Breathwork. Stan has done a number of clinical studies of breathwork over the years. He is a psychologist. And Stan was famous because back before acid hit the counterculture, LSD, he had grant money in Eastern Europe and Maryland State Hospital to take people through therapeutic LSD sessions, therapy done with the support of the enhancer called LSD to expand consciousness beyond the familiar so that it could actually get a lot more inner work done in a very short amount of time. So he supervised, I think, something like 4,500 therapeutic LSD sessions before the grant money dried up when acid hit the counterculture and Mm. started to be uh, part of the war on drugs and made a Schedule One substance when it has no Mm -hmm. harm. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other podcast. Yes, which we will do. (laughs) Stan was married to a woman, is married to a woman named Christina, who was a devotee of Swami Muktananda, uh, who's a, a charismatic, enlightened teacher in my own lineage. And Swami Muktananda showed them the breath. In fact, he gave them both each an amethyst that was cut in specific ways, told them how to have it set and to wear it whenever they were teaching. Now, 
if you come from the world that I swim in, you can hear between the lines that it was beyond the breath, that there's a transmission of energy and that the breath is a tool of the work. And I say this all the time. The breath is not the work. The breath is a tool of the work. What the breath does, if you stick with it, and it, we're really only doing, we're talking about 20 to 30 minutes of the breath work, and even that much might be more than is necessary, mm -hmm. that gets energy moving through the body palpably, tingling, vibrating. Once the energy is moving, we can begin to work with it. But to simply just huff and puff and then get up and move into the day Maybe for the first month that'll do something it did for me, but at a certain point you'll plateau and need ha to learn how to pay attention to the movement of energy that's happening that the breath works unlocking and work with it. Mm -hmm. Just the way we just did with that simple breath, directing awareness, energy, and breath into a particular region without grasping and letting go on the exhales. That's really the simple alchemical technique right there, and it is deceptively simple. Which is why I love it. And it's all, why, why it's also so very fascinating to me is because I do believe that so much that is truly helpful is incredibly simple. And it's almost overlooked because it's perhaps we've been raised to believe or, or just society has given us this notion that it has to be this complex, long word, only the most intelligent and well-educated people can understand it. You know, it's almost is like this religion side of things where it's like only for the select few. And so when something so simple comes along, it's difficult to, to embrace that as what it could be because we have this concept of, well, surely that's not going to work because that's just too easy. But that's also why I have such a love for, for breath work. And I'm so fascinated by what the breath can do. And religion really was meant to be a very helpful thing. If you look at the word origin, the etymology, the word religion comes from the root religio, which means to reconnect. Mm. So, so there are things that function in that way that reconnect us. Nature is one of them. Mm -hmm. Nature is one of the most profound teachers in my life because it has no human agenda on it. Same. And it can reconnect me very quickly. Uh, forest bathing is this huge thing that we're learning about, a term coined uh, in Japan that's been done for centuries, you know, going out with maybe minimal clothing or no clothing into the forest and letting the body benefit from these energy flows that are observable and measurable by science in mm -hmm. nature, mm -hmm. these biofields. We forget, wandering around in the concrete jungle, that these bodies are endemically a part of earth consciousness. The plants and the animals and our bodies are not separate events. Mm -hmm. We're part of one giant ecosystem that is self-organizing when we don't get in the way. <laughs> That's key. <laughs> just to get out of the way and to just to re-embrace what's been there all along. And that's something that I feel like it, what you were saying earlier about how it's not just enough to huff and puff that there that that's that's just the tool or that's a tool there's there's work as well and it's also around mindset it's like it's very easy to say well you just try to think positive or you know reexamine the situation but sometimes 
I felt like a lot of times, actually, first I have to breathe. It's even how we speak to, you know, the littlest ones. If they're going through something emotional or feeling feelings, they don't even know how to identify yet. They've never felt this thing called anger. They've never felt this thing called sadness. And typically what we say is, okay, just take a minute, breathe, just breathe. Okay. How are you feeling? You know, these are very standard. I think without even being a parent or being around children too much, that just kind of comes naturally when we're trying to help somebody shift and come and out of that help space. We give to somebody to shift mm-hmm. is our own inner state. More than anything we say, mm-hmm. anything we do, what we're actually transmitting, because all of us have these neurons from head to toe called mirror neurons that can pick up what another is thinking or feeling. Uh, it's not hidden. So if somebody could be saying to us, take a breath, it's going to be okay, they themselves might be very tense. Mm-hmm. They themselves may not have learned to alchemize emotion like fear or anger or control programs. Mm-hmm. So our biggest gift to the world, and I know so many of you listening really care to make a difference in this world. I know you're aching for some way to make a difference with the climate, with the economy, with social justice, with so many things. And I'm telling you, there's no question whatsoever that our inner state individually is our contribution. And it's not a small contribution. There's no limit to how far our field can extend. So good. And so true. And I was thinking as you were, as you were explaining that, how many people I know of that, that have great words, but I don't believe them because their inner state doesn't represent what they're actually saying. And it is so powerful, though, when somebody's words line up with what they're projecting, you know, how you feel or how you feel around somebody. Sometimes people don't have to say anything. Most of the time, they don't have to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) There's a great, there's two great Gandhi quotes I want to leave right here. Uh One is, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, unless what you're about to say is going to improve upon the silence, why speak? That's number one. Mm -hmm. Unless what you're about to say is going to improve upon the silence, and very few things do, improve upon great silence, not withholding silence, great silence, Mm -hmm. why speak? And the other one is, and we've heard this for so long, but do we really unpack it for ourselves? Be the change you're wishing to see in the world. Mm -hmm. Yep. So good. And on that note, I'd love to give you an opportunity for the people that are listening in this world that is full of noise, people are navigating it, feeling overwhelmed by it. What is a message that you would like to give? What is a message that you feel would be helpful or important that you could share with them right now? Love is the whole story and only always. And I'm going to unpack that. Love is the whole story and only always. We're coming up on the two-year anniversary of my mom passing from cancer after a 12-year journey through that world. And when I was sitting with her in hospice over five days, watching closely and, and really surrendering to being in the circumstance. You know, we can be in a circumstance and kind of be pulled out of it because we don't know how to feel about it emotionally or we feel overwhelmed. I surrendered to being in the circumstance. I just opened my whole being. And what became radically obvious are two things that are most important in life, breath and love. Without breath, the body's a corpse, and the quality of breathing determines the quality of existence in the moment. 
And without love, what is the point? Hmm. Really, what is the point without love? So I have one more offering of an exercise. And if you can do it now, fine. If you want to wait till later, fine. But I would encourage you and invite you to do it on the regular. And the exercise is designed to grow this mysterious thing we keep hearing about called self-love. Like Self-love, what is that? Does that mean like I like the fact that I bite my fingernails? P.S. I don't. But Or <laughs> I like how my body shape looks in the mirror in these clothes. That's not self-love, folks. Self-love is love for its own sake, directed towards your sense of self, your very existence. And a simple way to learn to get there is five minutes a day in the mirror, soften the six points that we did in the beginning, stand in the mirror, gaze into your own eyes, relax and breathe. If this is new, be patient with learning to relax into gazing into your own eyes. Connect with the being behind the eyes in the mirror and begin to imagine irradiating that being with love the way the sun irradiates your body with light and heat when you stand in it. And have the feeling that the love that you're irradiating the being in the mirror with is coming through you, not from you. Now, to make it a little easier to connect to start the engine of love, you can use a memory of love. I recommend moms, your, your first good moment with your children is a really evocative way to touch the feeling of love. The love of a child, the love of a pet, the love of a place in nature. I wouldn't recommend romance because there can be complications in using those memories. But if you've got one, go for it. And just stay in the mirror for five whole minutes, exchanging love back and forth as you breathe and soften. You do this for 30 days, five minutes a day or more. I guarantee you, you're going to have a better sense of self. Mm -hmm. You're going to trust yourself more and you're going to actually start to get a sense of what is yourself beyond your history, your thoughts, your emotions, your resume your bank balance. There's so much more to you. You are, as Ram Dass, the great teacher, was fond of saying, you are God in drag as this particular person, as a Wendy, as a Scott, as a whatever your name might be. Wow. Five minutes, huh? Five minutes per day? Yeah. And I won't be mad if you do it longer. <laughs> you won't either. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's an incredibly helpful and unique tool. I don't think I've ever heard anyone share that. So... I'm especially appreciative of that because I think people are really seeking, they're really searching, and um, there's just a lot out there up for grabs, and very little is full of truth. So I appreciate that so much. If people wanted to know more about what you do or how they can maybe work with you, what are the best ways for them to connect with you? So usually people want an experience first of somebody they're exploring. And if you go to my YouTube channel, which is my name, Scott Schwank, you'll find some free practices there and a number of short talks, six to 12 minute talks on different topics, like what we're talking about today. There are three new practices there. They're audio only with just nature is what you'll see if you turn on the video. Me guiding you through two of them is meditation practices. One of them is the tending to what matters meditation. And then there's actually a breathwork practice there with evocative music that you can do on your own. Those are all free to you. If you want to go a little deeper, I've got a number of courses and practices available 
on my website, scottschwenk.com, as well as the opportunity to work with me privately. I work with leaders all over the world, and you don't have to yet consider yourself a leader to reach out for private work. All the details are there. And in the show notes, Mm. you'll find a link with a discount for you on my complete meditation and breathwork package, which is 18 practices and some Dharma talks. So nine meditations that are guided and nine breathwork practices will keep you going for quite a while. Awesome. Amazing. Yes, I will put all of those things in the show notes as well as some of the the books and other items that you mentioned so that way people can can grab onto those as well. And Scott, thank you again so much for this incredibly helpful and eye-opening and hopeful information. I'm I'm so grateful for you for obviously this time chatting on my podcast, but just you in general. I'm just extremely grateful for you. So thank you. You're welcome. Likewise, Wendy, you're a gift. Thank you. And, and thank you all for listening. I am honored and grateful beyond words for y'all as well. Please be sure to check out all the information, in the show notes, I promise to put it in there and I will be back next week. But until then, remember you are significant and valuable and powerful. Thank you for listening to Whole, Healthy, and Free. I will be back soon with another edition of the podcast. I invite you to check out my next episode once it becomes available on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Until then, stay focused, insist on the truth, and do not quit. You are so much stronger than you realize.